Hey guys, this is Tyler Padgett. I'm the lead pastor of the Courageous Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. And my hope is that this podcast encourages you, that it builds your faith, and that it pushes you to make a difference. You can join us in person on the weekends, Sundays at 9.30 and 11, at any one of our locations across the Ozarks. Check out our social media pages to find a campus near you. I believe you're listening today for a reason. Let's do this. Turn up the volume and let's go. Good morning, everybody. Let's give it up for Jesus today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We have come this morning to honor the Lord Jesus as millions and millions of Christians have been doing the same in every time zone. And this morning, um, I want to pray for the Ukraine and then the people in Russia as well. Uh, I don't understand all the complexities of geopolitical tensions. I do know that the Ukraine is a 78% Christian nation, and then if Russia takes them over, the church will in effect be outlawed. You cannot preach, you cannot gather, you cannot, you cannot witness of Christ. And so people are fighting for so many things, one of the things being their freedom to worship the Lord Jesus and the freedom of their family to worship the Lord Jesus for generations to come. So let's all pray together right now. Jesus, in your name. I lift up the leadership of the nation of Ukraine. I lift up the pastors, the churches, the believers, and the people, God, of that nation. I pray supernatural interference on their behalf, God. I pray, Lord, you would allow them to thwart this attack, this, this action against them. I pray that the voices within Russia, the voices of faith that have been stifled would rise up somehow. I pray your grace upon this situation, and I pray protection, God, and the evils of sin in the heart of men would be clear to all. We reject such a thing in Jesus' name. Amen. Christians believe in defending, but Christians do not believe in unjust war. Um, we would not really believe in war except to defend something that is worth defending. And so today we're in a series um, called Love is Blind, and this is week two. And I want to talk to you today about the Esau syndrome. Um, and it's off the premise that I shared with you last week that, that sex has never been easy to get but love has never been harder to find. And my third title is, I want the wow and I want it now. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, I want the wow and I want it now. Ha. Let me just start off with this little nugget to throw out there. Sex outside of marriage is sin. Look at your neighbor and say, sin is sin, sin. Sin is sin, sin. It's always gonna be sin. You're not married in God's eyes if you're not really married. Marriage is between one man and one woman for life under the hand of God. And some people don't feel the need to get married, and they have many kind of platitudes and explanations for that. But the reason um, that they, uh, they, they're living that way is because they want the sex. They want the sex. And so they're, they're taking something that God intended to bind the heart of a man and woman together spiritually and enjoying that without the covenant side of it being in effect. And uh, not everyone, but there's a whole lot of people doing it. And so uh, sex is supposed to be a motivator toward young men for marriage. It really is. If you watch the Discovery Channel, young lions are very motivated to build their strength, to establish their life, to build a foundation so that they can have a suitable mate. And it's supposed to be the same for young lions in the world today. Um, it is just what it is. And so um, sex either motivates a man or and sometimes demotivates a man. And that's why men will be with a woman for eight years and feel no pressure to marry her because you've, you've, 
why would you want to buy the cow if you've already got access to the milk? Come on, somebody. And so sex has never been easier for people to justify, but love has never been harder for people to find. And people are using a lot of technological substitutes for what they should only be getting from a healthy marriage relationship, plugging into things, and I talked about that last week, that aren't supposed to be. God's intention for your sexual gratification. People are already walking out. It's okay, Tyler. It'll be all right. <laughs> Southside, that was Tyler Harris that walked out. He's just such a good-hearted young man. I would, ladies, why aren't you lined up for Tyler Harris? That's the question I need to ask. <laughs> he has a girlfriend. Someone yelled out, "Thank you for that." That's right, he does. So people are afraid of relationships, and they're wanting all the benefits of relationships without getting themselves intertwined with this thing called marriage. And short-term focuses are all people have, and long-term commitments are soon forgotten. And I'm not one of those guys that just curses the darkness. I'm going to shine a light today and help you realize that the short-term can hijack the long-term. God wants you to build a legacy, not just have a one-night stand. And so in the Bible, there is this weird correlation drawn between an Old Testament story that you wouldn't think had anything to do with sex, but Hebrews ties it to sex. It's a story of Esau and Jacob. <laughs> or Jacob and Esau. Rebecca, I'm sorry, Abraham, Isaac, yeah, Rebecca had two children inside of her womb, and one was Esau and one was Isaac. And they warred against each other, and Esau was born first, and Jacob was born second. Let me establish that, because last service I screwed that up. I didn't drink enough coffee. Esau was born first, and Jacob was born second. When Esau came out, he was like a wild, red-haired, hairy-backed ginger looking like Chewbacca. I've lost the Chewbacca roar. I had it. Can somebody do a Chewbacca roar so I can remember how to do it? Thank you. He comes out as a red-haired, hairy child. They named him Esau, the red. And then Jacob came out like he'd just been nared up, just Jacob the smooth. So you had Esau the hairy and Jacob the smooth. And this story is about birthright. You see, being the firstborn son back in biblical days was a big deal. You had double the inheritance. You were the spiritual leader of the family. If the family had conflict, you were the mediator. It was like you became the dad when dad got too weak to be the dad because you were the firstborn son. And with that, you received something holy called the birthright. Esau had it. In Esau's life, he sold that birthright, and I'll tell you the story later, but he sold that birthright to his younger brother Jacob for a bowl of beans, lentil soup, bean soup. And Hebrews in chapter 12 and 16 gives us a warning and relates soup to sex. Today, when I say soup, I mean sex. Look at your neighbor and say, when he says soup, he means sex. For the rest of this sermon, that makes me feel more comfortable. I've got the hard stuff out of the way. And so Hebrews draws this correlation, and I'm using it now. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 16 says, watch out, pay attention, be careful, be on guard. For the Esau syndrome, 
trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Verse 17, you well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. But by then it was too late, tears or no tears. The NIV gives us a little more insight on what that context was in the language of the original Greek. And it says in the NIV of that same verse, verse 16, see that no one is sexually immoral. And then the ESV, the English Standard Version of the Bible, Hebrews 12 and 16 says this, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau who sold his birthright for a single meal. The Old Testament story of Esau is brought to us in the New Testament as an illustration of us living sexually pure lives. It's a cautionary tale. It's like, check yourself. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Think about Esau. Be careful. Because Esau acted in a certain way, made decisions. He committed his life to a certain direction. But when he got there, he didn't like where it took him. He arrived at his chosen future, but didn't like what he found when he ended up there. Esau came from a good family. I mean, he, he came from Abraham, the father of faith. Abraham, the progenitor and uh, patriarch of the entire Jewish nation, the man whose lineage Jesus Christ himself came from, Abraham. Unquestionable credentials. He will have a four-story condo in heaven. No yard maintenance. No HOA fees. Abraham. It's a special deal Abraham's going to have. Abraham was approached by God, and God said, I have an amazing plan for your life, Abraham. And Abraham says, I will trust you even though I don't know where you're taking me. And God's promise to Abraham was that he would multiply his family like the grains of sand on the beach and the stars in the sky. And from him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Why? Because God is a covenant-keeping God. And Abraham received amazing promises from a good God. But the problem was Abraham's body was as good as dead. Yeah, he was 100 years old. He wasn't going to be having no babies. All Abraham had was precious memories. How they linger. Like, there was no way Abraham had the necessary pa-pa-pa to do what needed to be done to have children. <laughs> Romans 4, 19 tells us this. It says, without, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. You've returned. Good. That his body was as good as dead <laughs> since he was 100 years old. And that Sarah, his wife's womb, was also dead. God repeatedly and without any kind of reservation specializes in doing his best work in situations that society and just good common sense says is impossible. That is not a compliment, by the way. And his body was dead. Like, I don't think you're going to find that on many tender profiles. Hello, ladies. My name's Rufus. I play poker on video poker down at the gas station. I'm in sanitation, and my body's as good as dead. Swipe right for a good time. Abraham's body, the Bible says, was as good as dead, but God fulfilled his promise to bless him, 
And that is good news because God routinely does the impossible, bringing dead things back to life. God's promises are potent, not impotent. God's promises are are more victorious than Viagra. God's promises are more supernatural than Cialis. And God's plan is more lethal than Levitra. So through Abraham's baby boy Isaac was going to come a nation. Abraham, Isaac, and now Esau. Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. Because Esau was the firstborn son. And from that, God was going to, in his divine plan, bring about the Jewish nation, who would in turn bring about the Messiah, Jesus Christ our Lord, who would be the Savior of the whole world. That bloodline, that lineage was blessed. Rebecca has twins, Jacob the Smooth and Chewbacca the Red. But something happened. Something happened that flipped the script. We do not say Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. We say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because that hairy ginger did not end up being the one to inherit the promises of God. It went to Jacob. Why? Well, long story short, Esau gave his rights away to his brother Jacob willingly. And here's the kicker. If he never would have given him up, it never could have happened. We would say today, praying, I appeal to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But that's never come out of your mouth. Like, what, what, what happened? I mean, Jacob was the deceiver, uh, a supplanter, the Bible says, a conniver. He was all these things. What happened? He must have made out like a bandit. He must have promised him the moon. No. He just got him a bowl of soup. And you know what soup means? Soup was a really bad idea in Esau's life. Esau was not a good negotiator. And so here's how it went down. Genesis 25, 29. One day, when Jacob was cooking some stew, some bean soup, not even proper chili, and all you people that can't understand that chili can have beans, I don't know what to say to you. Chili can have beans. All you Texas people, all you Oklahoma people, we stand against you today. One day when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau arrived home from the wilderness exhausted and hungry. That's a key. Exhausted and hungry. When it comes to soup, don't let yourself get exhausted and hungry. Verse 30, Esau said to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. Red man hungry. This is how Esau got his other name, Edom, which means red. Jacob the smooth replied, all right, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Look, me dying of starvation, said Esau. What good is my birthright doing to me now? He only saw now. But Jacob said, first, 
you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some toast and some soup. Anybody watch Nacho Libre? Make you some toast and some soup. And Esau ate the meal, then got up and left. And he showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn son of his father. How stupid. There are no soup restaurants. You can't build a proper meal out of soup. Name one soup restaurant that's made it in this city. Panera. It ain't a soup place. It's a bread place. Matter of fact, the only place that there's ever been a soup restaurant was on Seinfeld, and it was a mythical restaurant that was run by the soup Nazi. Have you seen the episode? Nobody uses soup as an entire meal. It's a garnishment at best and an appetizer at worst. You can't build a meal out of soup. It's a side item, if you please. Esau let himself get super hungry. He said, let me have some of that soup. In the original Hebrew, the language was, I want to swallow that. Hairy caveman, eat. I want to swallow that. That's what the original Greek says. Esau's problem was that he only was thinking about the path of least resistance when it came to soup. And what does soup mean? Hebrews tells us what it means. Southside, somebody yelled out sex. Nobody here is as mature as you guys. I'll tell you that right now. Hebrews uses the story of Esau to check all of us regarding our personal sexual immorality. Immorality. I got a real problem with people who have a PhD in other people's sins and a GED in their own. Look at your neighbor and say, worry about your own self. It's an illustration about sexual immorality. What? You want my birthright? Eat no good to me. I hungry now. I horny now. The devil is always cooking up some soup for you in his crock pot. And you don't want what the devil's got in his crock pot. The enemy will use a slow cook strategy to trip you up when you're exhausted and hungry. It was a temptation that Esau probably knew was coming and he gave in. The enemy always has amazing timing with the crock pot. And when you slurp your soup, the enemy, when you slurp your soup, and when you sin that sin, the enemy grins. You can be enticed by that long term grip, grip, grip of that crock pot the succulent blending of the different flavors together and the wafting of the smells throughout the house and, and that long-term building of I'm so hungry and it's right there 
that you give in to the crock pot. But some of y'all just be happy to open up a can of soup. And when you go looking for it, the devil has a can for you. He knows your bait, and he knows what you like. It might be maestro, the beefy mushroom soup. It might be for you the Mexican-style soup. It might be the, oh, we're getting married, it's okay, Italian wedding soup. It might be the wicked Thai spicy chicken and rice soup. It might be the Jamaican jerk chicken. You might like jerks. The Jamaican jerk chicken and rice. It might be, help me now, the dark meat chicken and spicy adandule. How do I say it? How do I say it? And dewey. I'm from, I am from northern Indiana. The corn casserole. Pastor Brandon is from New, New Orleans. You might like it the spicy or you might like, I didn't give anybody this choice. It's all chunky. But the chunky hot and spicy with bean firehouse. And maybe the chunky beer and cheese. You get a little, little, little katoint. Standards start dropping. The beer and cheese. Oh, you guys aren't mature at all. Or just the safety of the familiar chicken noodle. The enemy knows your soup. Esau had a problem with pursuit. He had short-term desires that kept him from long-term destiny. It is not honorable, sir, for you to have affairs. It is not honorable for you, sir, to have a litany of sexual partners. It is not honorable for you to spread your seed all across the country. It's not honorable for you to do that. He abandoned his legacy, Esau did, and Hebrews tells us to pay attention for a quick moment of satisfaction. He said, I want the wow and I want it now. Sex has strings attached. It was never designed by God to be a short-term thing. God's plan for sex is for it to be the extension and initiation at the same time of a covenant between a man and a woman binding their hearts and spirits together in a way that makes it very difficult for them to walk away. And yet we just see it as something where we feel good and it's fun and it's just a bonus. It's more than that. The temporary is what can keep us from the eternal. And I'm begging you to please think about eternity and make sure that what you're pursuing is worth catching. Like... Point two, when your stomach gets empty, your standards get lower. Like, ah, Valentine's Day, we hadn't ate all day, and Renee came out of Costco with that $1.49, not even $1.50, $1.49 soda and hot dog, and I don't even like them, but I was like, all right, I'm hungry. My stomach is empty. My standards are lower. I will, I'll do it. I mean... You ever been hungry enough that you eat the hot dog from the come and go that's been rotating on the spit for hours? In the pre-COVID era, people coughing and snorting and snotting and gacking all around it. Have you ever ate a gas station burrito where you put it in their microwave that hasn't been sanitized since 1908 and you think that in some way that's going to be good? When your stomach gets empty, your standards get lower and you will be tempted to eat the devil's soup. 
How long has that thing been spinning? I don't care. I'm hungry. So a video clip from Love is Blind. Because of copyright restrictions, we cannot use the audio. And so the man of God will offer a dramatization of the words. <laughs> this is from Love is Blind. This is a chick who is a Christian who has been locked in this closet thing they have talking to a guy who's an atheist, and she didn't know it, but she's finding it out. And so you see here that when your stomach gets empty, your standards get lower. Let's watch. Here we go. Do you have faith? This is her talking. Are you anti-faith? Would you go to church with me on Sundays? Good question, honey. <laughs> Kyle, this is the dude talking. My mom grew up religious. They grew up Catholic. Listen, Kyle. I don't care about your grandma. I don't care about your mom. Does Jesus live in your heart, Kyle? Not trying to offend any Kyles out there. Because I know there are many. And so she's asking some wrong questions here. Oh, you have a history of faith. Good enough for me. She must have an empty stomach because her standards get lower. You can't. My uncle was in the mafia. That doesn't make me a mobster. Like that is not how it works. Your grandma being something doesn't make you anything. And so she's wise to keep digging. My mom grew up religious. They grew up Catholic. Read. Okay. Faith is definitely important to me. <laughs> definitely how I was raised and how I go through life is like, like being raised Christian. Stop. <laughs> there are no likes. I'm not like a Christian. I'm not like a believer. I'm a blood-bought, Jesus-loving, Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized, pew-jumping, aisle-running, Bible-carrying. I can go on. I ain't like nothing. It's all me. You cut me. It's all Jesus. I'm like a Christian. Yeah. No. More emphatic with your faith. Oh, I see you're here on our first date. Let me get out my anointing oil and pray over you before we go out. And we'll drop by the church and put our tithe in the overnight drop box. Everybody, glory to God. Hello. I'm being facetious, but. Just, just a little more emphatic about, like, the lines are moving too much to make the man of God happy. Like, if she, went, if she was a part of my church and I saw this, I would send her a message and say, I'm praying for you, which really means, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm praying for you. What the heck are you doing? Okay, back to the show, okay? Read. No, I'm not religious at all. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Yes, appropriate response. Although she should be vomiting right now. <laughs> no. Non-negotiable. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has light with darkness? I'm not talking about your friends at work. I'm talking about marrying somebody. All right, read. <laughs> oh, stop. First off, do something about the eyebrows. Second, go. Um, no, not um. Oh, sigh. So like, no more likes. I'm like trying to be calm. Good, let's get worked up. And then she's like, okay, pause. Go back a little bit. I'm not keeping up as good, so go back. Okay, start it. We need to talk about it. 
No, you need to go back. Go back a little bit. Just scroll. Here we go. Okay, stop. Do you? Are you an atheist? Yeah. Oh, my God. What are you doing? Like, we do not believe in the old flirt to convert. Missionary dating leads to the missionary position. <laughs> Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship has light with darkness. When my kids start talking to me about a girl they like at school, my first question is, does she love Jesus? Where does she go to church? How involved is she? Because I'm trying to give them an ethic that says, Jesus first and everything else. Because marriage is hard. Even amongst people who love Jesus, ask Renee. She'll tell you it's hard. <laughs> and if you don't love Jesus, it's that much harder. And so here comes the question. You're an atheist. This is where she should say, show's over. I'm, as they used to say back in the 90s, I'm Audi 5000. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Come on. Read. Do you, are you an atheist? Yeah. Oh, we need to talk about it. Well, dang right you do. <laughs> I'm going to hell. Let's say we get married. No, stop. Let's say we get married and have babies. No, let's not say that. Let's not say that at all. We should say, why did I bring you to my small group called Discovering Faith? Why don't I bring you to Saturday morning prayer at the Courageous Church at 9 a.m.? Where there's some church mothers that would like to get a hold of you. What if we have babies, right? Cal's like, okay, I like that. I like the baby making. That's a good, uh, let's talk about that, I Kyle. Read. Okay, little Kylie's running around. <laughs> and they're at the dinner table, okay? And you say, let's say Grace. Yes. I'll try and fart and burp and say, who's Grace? Pause. There is no farting and burping during prayer at the table. <laughs> what is wrong with this guy? Nothing sacred. That's what's wrong. That wasn't planned. What I just said wasn't planned. No. See? That's a question I need to ask you. Quit giggling around here, daughter of Zion. This is, this is not something you figure out while you're dating, really. It's like you know it before you start. You hear me? Know their position when it comes to Jesus before you start. Now, that doesn't mean you can't be attracted to somebody. But pretty soon, you need to go Facebook stalk them. You need to ask around. You need to hire an investigator. I don't know, but you know how to do it. I don't need to teach you ladies how to stalk somebody. I don't teach you guys how to figure it out. If you want to know, you can know. I'm not just preaching to ladies. I'm preaching to men. They need to be godly examples. But this is the girl here, so it's getting me. I'm trying to pastor this girl through this problem she's creating for herself. All right. That's the question I need to ask you. That's her voice. Go. Stop. You're asking me if I'm okay with you instilling the religion. It's not religion. It's Jesus. It's totally different. You don't even get it. How, well, we can't have fellowship. You don't understand. This is not some cold religion I'm detached from. Jesus changed my heart, Kyle. I'm not like anything else I was before. Jesus transformed me. He filled me with his spirit. It's not something I'm detached from. He's in my heart. 
So it's not about instilling religion and do something about those eyebrows. <laughs> Read. Pause. That's fine. It ain't fine. Kyle's lying. Kyle will lie to get in the bed. All the men that are on my side, let the ladies know Kyle will lie to get in the bed. Raise your hand, sir. Oh, you don't think Kyle's a liar? Raise your hand if Kyle's a liar. Kyle's a liar. Bunch of fathers and husbands here telling you Kyle's a liar. Yeah, that's fine. Of course it's fine. You're going to be making babies. Go. Shania, but like, what about for you? The kids will get to decide like I did. Oh, Kyle. No. They can decide when they're 18. But until they're 18, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And we will not bring darkness, sin, filthiness, things of the flesh in this house with my knowing and with my blessing. You may sneak it in, but it's going to be a sneak. You cannot join yourself passively to people that do not share the revelation of Christ that is in your heart. Don't think that for a short-term romance, you should give up 40 years of marriage to somebody who's going to try to raise little atheists who only believe in science. And who knows what science is really anyway. <laughs> Psalm 119 and 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If your stomach is full of the word of God, it is harder to sin. When your stomach is full of the word of God, it's easier for you to say no when they say sin news. When your stomach is full of the word of God, it's easy for you to look at him and say, get lost when he says, girl, your father must be a drug dealer because you dope. Don't let your value be vulnerable. Don't sacrifice. There's nothing more beautiful than a, than, than, than a family that has a godly lineage of faith running through it. Not to say that anybody is perfect, but to say that we all know and acknowledge and love Jesus Christ as our Lord and are open to nothing else. There is nothing else that can satisfy my soul like Jesus. Nobody's ever cared for me like Jesus. Nobody's changed my heart, renewed my mind, put me on the right path, healed my soul like Jesus. You can't move me off of Jesus. Commitment to what matters most. In closing, put the picture of A.W. Milne on the screen. A band of brave souls became known as one-way missionaries 100 years ago. They bought tickets to the mission field. One-way tickets to the mission field. No return ticket. And instead of suitcases, they were so committed, they packed their belongings in coffins. <clears throat> and as they sailed away, they waved goodbye to their family and friends and everyone they knew and everything they loved, knowing they'd never return home. And A.W. Milne was one of these missionaries who packed his belongings in a coffin. And he set sail for the new 
the new Hebrides in the South Pacific. He was aware that the missionaries before him were all murdered by headhunters. But he did not fear for his life because he had already died to himself. He died to himself. He died to himself. His coffin was packed. And for 35 years, this man, A.W. Milne, lived among that tribe. And when, they, when he died, they buried him in the middle of the village and inscribed this upon his headstone. When he came, there was no light. And when he left, there was no darkness. Live your life for legacy. We say today, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Esau is a tragic footnote of what could have been because he wanted the wow and he only wanted it now. And Hebrews warned us that it's a picture of sexual immorality in our lives. And I would just say, I'm calling this church to purity. I'm calling the single people, the teenagers, the married folks, everybody. I'm calling you to purity. I'm calling you to the pursuit of the right things, of God things. Don't be blind. Be aware. The temptation that's coming your way on the job needs to be ran from. Quit giggling and, and, and giving her the Kyle treatment. Get out of that office. Go make copies somewhere else. Don't dance around temptation. Get away from it. Don't keep smelling the beans that are cooking. You don't want that soup. That soup's going to mark you for the rest of your life in a way you'll never be able to recover from. Move away from it. This is a warning. I've preached this once before. I've preached messages like this before. And I felt to warn a man. And this is it. I'm warning you, sir. He quit toying with her, quit messaging her. She cut it off. Just cut it off. Stop responding. It hasn't gone where it could go. So tell your wife, say, this is, this is something I need here. I need this woman out of my life. She'll find a way. Women aren't trying to figure out women. Women understand women. Same for men, really. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like and subscribe. You can even share this on your social media. If you do, tag us at The Courageous Church and share what God is doing in your life. Always remember, God's calling you to be strong and very courageous in all that you do. I hope to see you soon. God bless.